Joseph. I'm an old friend who jumps in a dark alley. Peter. Before we get into this week's episode of Peter, we wanted to mention to everyone out there in podcast land that we're going to be doing some more Patreon content here shortly. You and I have discussed a myriad of different options. We talked to our patrons about it, and we've just hit on actually reviewing a Star Trek movie specifically. We're going to review Star Trek Generations. And we picked that because I actually watched that recently with some of our listeners in Discord. And I'm very interested to watch it again and then discuss it with you because I'm a big defender of that movie and you hate it. <laughs> and I fucking curious, hate it. I'm curious if you will actually still hate it after you watch it. And either way, I think that'll make for a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, also looking forward to continuing into these podcasts. I started listening to the uh, Voyager season eight. Recently, you did a little collaboration, little cross-pollination podcast with the uh, author, I guess, producer. Yeah, or? Jonathan Morris, he's, he has a number of different shows that he produces, but my favorite of his is Star Trek Season 8. And yeah, I, I sat down and did an interview with him and um, you know, listened to that on his Lose France podcast. We've posted all the links and all the social media. So I mean, started listening to that on uh, my plane trip from Mexico which that was a great trip. It's a good way to usher in 40. Uh, <laughs> I understand you leveraged some bachelorette parties to get uh, get some musical performances to occur. Yeah, no real good Star Trek uh, stories came out of that. I don't think, not that I can remember in my sober state now, but yeah, we, some of the people I went with know how to dance and we, I don't know, herded multiple bachelorette parties at a mambo night and a strong arming a mambo band and a shout. <laughs> you had to be there. All right. It's the little things. It's the little things. Yeah. Little things like getting to circle back around to the shadows of Pigeon. Season one, episode 15. This is going to be the third time that uh, Pigeon has come up for me in Star Trek. The first time being, God, what was that episode's name? But, oh, the Andorian incident. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. And then when we watched or was supposed to watch Doctor Doctor, I incorrectly started Shadows of Pajama got hyped about it. The uh, amount of mistakes you've already made is earth shattering and very on brand for us here at Vigil Plays because this is season one, episode 15. And that episode was Dear Doctor. Well, listen, when, <laughs> when you're, still you're watching on your sobriety after getting back from Mexico, are you just not 100 percent? When you are watching uh enterprise dirty the way i am <laughs> and the, the fucking timing we have on all this too like right as we get into enterprise it gets pulled off of fucking netflix disappears off of amazon um i, I would be curious to see with all of the star trek podcasts out there like what kind of viewership episodic review podcasts really impact uh, streaming service usage. Yeah, like, when, particularly when you take them in aggregate, that might actually be significant. Sure. And like how much money was Paramount or whoever the fuck holds the, the wallet on this stuff now? Like what were they seeing royalty wise when Netflix was playing each episode? And are they making more money with the 
what's it this week? Paramount Plus, CBS All Access, Peacock. What what, what the fuck it's, is it? It's Paramount Plus, which I am subbed to at the moment because I'm watching Strange New Worlds. So <laughs> I am... you fu- you're a fucking dummy. I was yeah. listening to Doctor yeah. Doctor, and you over there uh, stunting for it, and I was like, man, this is gonna age like fine wine. I'm gonna still calling it Doctor Doctor, huh? I can mispronounce everything. I can fuck yeah. everything up. No, I'm not I'm the gonna, one. I'm... I'm not the one who's gonna be sitting there with a dunce hat on in the corner. <laughs> Come uh, episode six of Strange New Worlds when they're fucking dogs or whatever direction that thing's going to end up. Anson Mount gets replaced by a furry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. I wasn't even trying to make fun of you. I was just like so on brand. Mm. I was impressed. Dear doctor, though, I was listening to that on the ride home and boy. My my the rustling of Jimmy's man, the cackles I, <laughs> I meant to do. And by the time you're listening to this, I'll already have the poll active and the poll will be should flocks and Captain Archer go to hell when they die. <laughs> yes. Are they destined for perdition as a consequence of allowing hundreds of millions of people to suffer and die? And if you vote, no, you're wrong. And <laughs> a terrible fucking person. Forget about politics i'm gonna start measuring like my ability to have relationships with people with uh yeah did did flocks and archer condemn a fucking planet to unnecessary death uh was that reasonable or not and if if you found it reasonable we we can't be friends is is this the new facebook post of uh you should unfriend me oh yeah i like (laughs) that yeah it's just that's the copy pasta it's about the Mm -hmm. specific episode of enterprise and in this case, completely justified, I think. What is justified is the money they spent on those sweet new HD shots of Starfleet Command. It's about fucking time, dude. Yeah, it's, it was. Hey, let's let's, let's count through all the things that uh, got the old. What was that? What were those originally from? To, not not uh, Con, Star was, Trek four, I think, or something four. like that. Right. Like the, it was from the movies. Mm-hmm. Next gen used them. Yep. I'm sure Deep Space Nine was in there with it. I can't remember. I mean, they they do have some episodes that take place there, but I can't remember if they use the movie stuff. Obviously, in Voyager was super noticeable. Voyager, the the grain and the aspect ratio were off when they put this shit on standard definition television. Like, what the fuck? Terrible. But this looks great. It's nice. It's it's uh, clearly a new shot. And like like you said, when you accidentally watched this before, uh, it starts starts out pretty hot and heavy with. Uh, well, hold on. While we were talking about that exterior shot, I don't. You're probably busy looking at Starfleet headquarters. Did you bother checking out Jeff Bezos's yacht going under the Golden Gate Bridge over there? Was there just a giant boat? I was not looking. Yeah, yeah. might as well just had a fucking Amazon logo on the side of it. Totally Jeff Bezos. Good on whoever wrote this. Speaking of which, who did write this? This was Rick Berman. Brandon Braga's story, teleplay Mike Sussman, Phyllis Strong. A lot of very familiar names going there, directed by Mike Vijar. This came out February 6, 2002, in Universe State, October. We need to start tracking, since we've got real dates now, how many major catastrophes these guys are having per pay period. You know, we have... We, we don't have made up dates now. You have a good point. When we do our season one rip, we'll have to go back through and chart. We'll get like a little a little graph of all of the different dates. Like we'll, can, we'll create a calendar, you know? I, I Can we do that on Facebook? I'm sure we can. Can we get right? some custom calendar software? I'm sure we can even find like what the calendar of 2151 will look like, right? Sure. Like with all the leap years, we'll know exactly yeah. what the days are. That would be good. Yeah. 
I like I lo- that's great. That'll be our uh, V'ger Please Arts and Crafts project for this quarter. Well, Saval is not doing an arts and crafts project. He is, in fact, yelling at Admiral Forrest. And he's yelling at Admiral Forrest because, as noted in the Andorian incident, Enterprise has been fucking around and finding out. And <laughs> he's not too happy because apparently the Andorians showed back up at Pajem and blew it up. Yeah. Enterprise has been fucking around and the Andorians have been finding out. Uh, but don't worry, this was a respectful bombing run. They gave them three hours to pack up as much shit as they can, get off the service before they nuked it from orbit, because that was the only way that Andorians can be sure. And they're pissed because the only reason that the Andorians found out was that Enterprise was there. And then, of course, Admiral Forrest takes the opportunity to sass back to say, oh, you mean your illegal spying operation? That that thing that got found out on accident because you were illegally spying on them? Yeah, I guess that is kind of we were there to uncover your deception. Too bad you didn't tell us about it so we could have warned Archer not to go. I think we'd really have to look back at the Broken Bow pilot. The the amount of Asian influence on the Vulcan's wardrobe is almost distracting at this point. I almost have to consider, like, did the Vulcans just really take to Japanese culture and, like, they've done all their local shopping across the pond uh, in Japan and this is just well, them kind of, I mean, like, blending in? Not Not to go too deep, but, you know, if you take a look at Japanese culture, it is about restraint of emotion and, you know, adherence to duty, you know, oh, uh, I mean, listen, there obviously there's a, there's a clear parallel there. Pa- parallel. Uh, I don't. Mm, that's a that's a kind way to put it. When you take other stuff like Ferengi portrayal and, you know, I'm not going to lay the, Yo, the trade federation a... on uh, on on old well, Roddenberry's lap here. But sci fi but... has not always been the the thickest veiled racist portrayals. I think the whole Ferengi thing almost gets subverted by the fact that most of the Ferengi actors are themselves Jewish. That's always the joke. Well, in any event, they got that real hap- uh, heavy Japanese uh, what's kimono feel to the, yeah. the robes right. they're wearing. And it gets At into Eastern look. It's an Eastern look. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think I'd almost respect it more if they're like, yeah, we base the enclave out of Japan and this is just again our attempts to try and blend in a little bit but it doesn't work because we're buttoning our hawaiian shirts up to the top button shout out vork it's not a good meeting and i think this is one of the strongest scenes that i've seen out of enterprise so far really doing a good job breathing some life into that human vulcan conflict uh forest offers a little bit of pushback again and maybe they're just trying not to cast too crazy or whatever but I still couldn't tell you who the president of Earth is. Uh, it's all Starfleet calling the shots and the extraplanetary relations. And the result of this is just uh, Vulcan consulate. Is that is that what this envoy is called? Yes, of all is the ambassador from Vulcan to Earth. So Vulcan consulate, Vulcan compound, Vulcan mission. Sure. You know, this is their representatives on Earth. And, you know, it's definitely giving you the the idea that the Vulcans are being a little unreasonable, given the fact that 
Archer only was only capable of responding to a situation situation as it developed in front of them. And they seem to be angry. He didn't just like back the Vulcans play and they just didn't, they're not saying that, you know, like there's, that seems to be the subtext to me is Saval is angry because the humans didn't know what side their bread was buttered on and back their play to which of course art, you know, well, in this case, actually, Admiral Forrest is like, what do you mean? Like, we don't answer to you. We're not we're not your your dudes. You know, we're not we you're we're, you're not our overlords. We're not checking with you to do things. We don't owe you that. Like, yeah, if you wanted us to not fuck around and spoil your spy op, you have to actually tell us not to. And that's that's a fair point. That might have been something we actually criticized. You know, at any point, someone could have went to Archer and said, hey, th- there's real shit down there and it's important please help us protect it. Instead, the Vulcans lied to the humans just as much as they were lying to the Andorians. Yeah. And it, and it takes away Saval, the strength of Saval's argument, obviously in the scene, Admiral Forrest ultimately takes him apart by saying, you don't run my, my operation here. You don't pick my captains and you don't pick my missions. Like he I cooperate with you. You're not my boss. You know, who is the alternative captain? He mentioned Gardner. Do we meet them? I don't know if we meet Captain Gardner. That's actually a good question. I don't recall. Um, we certainly do eventually see other Earth Starfleet captains and ships. I, I will have to keep an eye out and see if Captain Gardner is one of them. Anyways, solid ass scene. Uh, great writing and good world building. We jump over to... Uh, oh, the important the important thing is that Saval says, we're not working with you anymore as a punishment. And, you know... Forrest is like, oh, this isn't good. I need to talk to my my boy, Captain Archer, and let him know there's been some problems. That problem is going to manifest in the form of DePaul getting yanked off the Enterprise. This is the only part of the episode that really doesn't work for me, and it sucks because it's also a, where they spend a lot of their time. This is one of, one of those spots where Julian Blaylock's relative weakness as an actor starts to become a bit of a problem where she's got to carry this sort of story. She has to carry the story that she is being removed from enterprise and removed from her assignment as a consequence of these actions. And that it's supposed to be disturbing or something that she doesn't want to do. Right. That's, that's the intention, but she plays it so down the line as of, you know, Vulcan would, that you never get anything in her performance that she actually like cares. There's no moment where she conveys that she cares, you know, even in a Vulcan way. The way to repair that would have been a private scene between Trip and her. You know what? You don't care that they're pulling you out and forcing you back into your life. And then she hits them with, you know, the logic and all the same stuff she presents to Archer. And then, you know, you don't mean that if you didn't really care, you wouldn't have stayed here instead of blowing off your marriage. And, have that kick back to uh was it breaking the ice correct yeah like they needed to connect this to the connection that they have where they've been more personal and he calls her on her bullshit and then she you know provides more context yeah yeah and you know even if he he could lay it out she could kind of have a pause and that could have been telling that you know for a vulcan that pauses 
yeah, fuck, you're right. I don't want to do this without saying, yeah, fuck, I want to do this. But no, they pick up on uh, Enterprise first uh, at a breakfast between Trip and Archer. They're going to a new solar system. They've never been before. These guys, uh, what the hell are they called? Are going to the Corridan system. I forget if they actually name the race. Cordonite. That's just their... The, Cordonitians? So, yes, they're going to the Corridan system. And there's some detail. There's billions of them on the planet. And Archer starts giving trip shit by like trying to describe that they've got like super ships that can go warp seven and that they're going to be super rad and super cool, but he can't go. You know, you should lend your camera to Hoshi because I'm going to bring her instead of you. We want to keep things small. She's going to take some pictures and all that. And they're in the mess hall or not the mess hall. They're in the 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 captain's captain's mess. Yeah. And, And it makes me wonder, like, what was the goofy time cops name? Daniels. Oh, Agent Daniels. Yes. So Daniels was an active member of the crew. He got like space fragged. Correct. Time fragged. So they're they're just down a extra waiter now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we had that cool time cop who also brought me my eggs. However, I ever wanted them. We had this cool waiter who we didn't know was a time cop. And I still maintain still plausibly also a bad guy. But we're we're down to crewman now, so sorry, uh, crewman Jones, you're gonna be t- pulling double busboy duty. I I like to think that the guy who had the tree branches <laughs> beamed into his head when they came off of the 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 psychotropic he drugs has planet. to be cycled out. You know, they're they're just he he's not useful for his normal job, so now he's just a waiter. You yeah, know, but so, so they're down two crew members, though. I have a brain bruise. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're down two crew members. They gotta they gotta restock at some point. They haven't killed anybody, but they're down people. Oh, they'll wind up down people. Don't you worry. Enterprise's body count gets pretty gruesome. I have no doubt. So he's razzing Trip, but then uh, he gets the call from Forrest. Takes it. Oh, I got some bad news. Uh, the Vulcans, they're mad about all the stuff that we've talked about for the past 15 minutes. He lays a line on there. John, you're doing good work out there, but Earth can't be getting involved in interspecies conflicts. Moops. <laughs> oh, man, you should have put that on my you should have put that in my instructions. You forgot yeah. to include don't involve Earth in interspecies conflicts. All I've done is stick my have dick you... in immediately in the interspecies conflicts as often as possible. You just told me I was doing a good job, but all I have literally been doing out here has been getting in the middle of other people's shit Space and also getting people, our ass Nausikins, Klingons. Yeah. We've been getting in so much shit to the point where I actually had to install the guns we were supposed to install before we left, but we left early to get in the middle of other people's shit. Hey, I'm I in even... so much shit. I'm in the middle of so much shit. There's people from the future getting involved in my shit. I went to a planet with with brass age people made out with them and I got into another species shit even while yeah, I was there. I fucked up an off world mining operation. This mine as will be called the fucking USS Nosy Nancy. All of those interceding in, in alien conflicts were fine, except the one with the the Andorians and the Vulcans. And that is when we get to Paul called into Archer's ready room and is hit with the news of, hey, to Paul, you're you're getting recalled. And they're going to totally blame you for all of this. And every you know, he's super pissed. And again, this is just where this episode doesn't work because they 
Paul never actually has a single scene in this episode where she conveys any kind of real genuine desire to stay. She doesn't need to because Archer does. <clears throat> and a theme for this episode is going to literally and figuratively be Archer forcing himself on to Paul. To the point where they have a comedic to Paul's boobs hurt <laughs> in his face. Dude, I'm moment. shaking my head right now. Like, yeah, like, shaking my fucking head. It was what? straight up 11 year old humor. Like, what was this? I forgot that this happened. Where season one of Enterprise, the show was half pregnant with who they wanted to have sexual tension with to Paul. On one hand, they clearly wanted to develop something between Trip and to Paul. And on the other hand, they thought they might want to develop it between Archer and T'Pol. And they couldn't figure out which one they wanted to do. And I forgot that the first season was like this because eventually they make a decision. It's the correct one. And they spend the rest of the show on that axis. But at this stage, they haven't they haven't settled on that yet. And so you get this these awkward. It, it just never works. It's not there on any level for me. This, no. Th- and, and it almost makes me wonder, like, did Bacula have this written in his contract that, like, there needs to be some super hot spandex person and once every four episodes they're under a blanket or something else? Like, I, I got to jump down to my notes for basically, like, if Pajem, then Archer plus Paul body to body. I hate it. The, I, I want to never, stop. I've never seen such a forced attempt at sexual tension at w- in which there was no sexual tension, despite their clear attempts to manufacture it on the flip. They do a great job of creating it between trip and to Paul to the point where you already get this vibe that they're, they're, they're angling to put them to in a relationship just from that much less explicit aside from the fucking rub down. But like in breaking the ice, they build that without anything explicit beyond conversations and exchange of of emotional weight with each other. You know, if they were going for another love triangle, which I hate courtesy of Neelix Kess and Paris. Then I could kind of understand them dragging Archer into this, but there's just there's no juice behind it. And I don't know if it's. Maybe the actors really didn't want it to happen. And and, and that's something Bakula had to talk him off the ledge and say, listen, let's please stop this. I don't know. Uh, but in this scene specifically, the line gets tossed out. You know, the, Archer's getting all mad and he's huffing and storming around his ready room. Paul doesn't give a shit or, you know, seemingly doesn't give a shit. You know, high command thinks that Enterprise is responsible for this. Well, duh, Vulcan High Command must be awake and not brain damaged. (laughs) Whoever would have thought that Enterprise was responsible for the bombing, the orbital bombardment of Pajem. I do, however, for whatever T'Pol doesn't do to support this, I think Archer breathes a lot of secondary meaning. He has a lot of reading between the lines, right? He gets real. uh, He gets in his head that she's being pulled off the ship and called back to high command to essentially function as the whipping boy for Archer. 
uh, high command cannot hold Archer specifically accountable. And we had that reaffirmed by uh, Admiral Forrester kind of giving the ambassador to the middle finger saying, yeah, we're not your errand boys, but they can go in there and say to Paul, you're going to bear the sins of this fucking uh, hairless monkey captain of yours and play play whipping boy. That was something I didn't really consider during the initial description or uh, concept of her being pulled out, but I think it really fits this early Vulcan, flawed Vulcan mindset well. Yeah, I liked that Archer was picking up on it because he is such a student of how shitty the Vulcans can be. Like, that's obviously a big part of his character. And so the fact that he's able to say, no, this is what's actually going on here because your people have mastered passive aggressive behavior. You know, like they're, you know, they've conquered their emotions and are also therefore the most passive aggressive people in the entirety of the Alpha Quadrant. And this is what they're intending to do by doing this because they can't do what they want to do. I I like that part. I like that scene that Flox has with Paul right after in the the mess hall. And, you know, the, the this is another situation where Flox is attempting to provide some like space dad energy, space dad and exposition for the audience again the right way to do this yes he knows a little something he's almost flaunting it to her because she doesn't want to be forthcoming with knowledge you know don't be so down on yourself uh quick history lesson every other so you're not the first vulcan attache to a starfleet ship every other one has been like shit canned within a week or two and you've been out here what five or six months that is what we needed more of which was we needed the trip scene that you described after that building this context around to Paul's recalcitrance to talk about it, but it's revealed through the exposition that she does care because of the consequence of her actions, right? Like she's been there longer than anyone else. She has foregone, you know, career opportunity and personal obligations to be there. These things just need to be pointed out. So she's, she's betrayed yeah. the Vulcans. When when put in the system of you know, protect the secrets of Pajem or give the fucking uh, Shran your tricorder so he has like cell phone footage or or even if like it wasn't an emotional thing and she eventually like confided to Trip after being confronted with it to say. I want to stay because the my people were wrong. Like we we don't have all the answers of how to deal with the rest of the universe. And there's something about how humans are approaching this that's worthy of exploration. And that's why I want to be here to represent my people, but also learn on behalf of them. Like that there's, would have been a great Vulcan response to that, you know? There's and then, potential here. We we need each other and and I'm not willing to give up because this is how we both grew. I love that. That is yeah. that is absolutely. And that's something she hasn't really. Has she really conceded in any of uh, the scenes that we've seen t- that Archer's way was the superior way in something where you said she said, no, we shouldn't get involved or we should do some. I, it's easy to think at times she's been right, but I'm trying to. Th- there's been one or two times where I think she's had to concede a point. I think implicitly, I mean, obviously, in the pilot, they have that moment. Oh, you know, Archer is proven correct when they're dealing with the 
planet with Yennefer of the Olive Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, Archer is proven correct in how he dealt with hell. hell. I don't know. I guess Klingons. Like, the Klingons, and then also actually uh, with the Andorians on Pajem, right? Like mm-hmm. His actions were also correct there. So, I mean, he's 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 had some correct moments. Um, it was a bit of a struggle because there certainly have been some where there's not, and that could be the you know I want to be here to help you know both learn and guide or whatever. There was a way to navigate to a much better resolution of the main plot of this episode that they just kind of never find. And instead spend an enormous amount of time having Scott Bakula's face directly in some boobs. And it's such a waste. Jumping to the end quickly uh, for a moment, because it's along the same thought line you're on. I thought the resolution as to why she's able to stay on the ship was super flimsy. And I think had oh, she God, yeah. directly confronted Sobek and been like, I need to stay and here's empirical evidence where uh, the, the Vulcan high command would have handled this situation X, Y, Z and Archer and Starfleet did ABC instead. And that was wildly productive. And ooh, ooh. how about this for an ending? So there, the, the Vulcans are going to run their op to take this group down and, and, and spring the hostages but they're going to do so in some dirty way and it's going to cause casualties. They're going to use like a weapon they shouldn't use, or they were going to be, you know, they're going to take a very logical, very, they're going to take a very logical course of action, but they were, but disregarding of the consequences, or like you said, maybe it's just a bit of that Romulan nature in there. And to Paul sniffs it out, figures it out, prevents them from doing it. And them and the Andorians work together to solve the problem. And then she basically blackmails the guy to say, listen, you're going to go back and you're going to say that I need to stay here because the reason why I need to is that you were going to get up to this fucking bullshit and we need to stop this. And I, and, and like that, like the create that tension where you, you, you provide some more like flavor around the Vulcans kind of being stuck in this rut of how they're operating that they need to get out of. They need to become more than what they are. And T'Pol is seeing that potential in humanity and is buying into their way of looking at the universe. And she's going to push back on the Vulcan way of doing things and send this guy back with basically to have to advocate on her behalf or I'm going to out to everybody what you just attempted to do. And this might destabilize things. Like I already got a fucking you know, monastery blown up. Don't you? So I'm obviously okay with that. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm crazy, you know? like So now you've got to go and pitch it on my behalf to my bosses and cover for me, or I will is this not stuff they you. do. I mean, this is great headcanon. And I think a lot of ways, the, the staff of the show has shown that they're able to do nuanced writing with that. Like, yeah. in season four, they do a really good job with doing stuff. Like I'm describing Vulcan, ex- Vulcan, Vulcan growth too. stuff. Yeah, hmm. with the Vulcan specifically, um, not not this kind of, but there are other plots that come up where they they find just, good she ways. She still to get just keeps feeling like she's tacked onto the crew because Berman wanted some titties and spandex, and she gets good scenes, but there needs to be more. And as you're showing, it, it, there could easily be more. Uh, so, anyways, High Command thinks I'm responsible. Yeah, duh. Uh, Archer starts scheming. There's got to be a way for us to fight this. I need more time. Um, 
we're going to formulate I'm going to formulate a plan to keep you, even though, again, you've expressed zero interest in staying uh, in a away team mission. We're going to take down to Planet X in our shuttle pod. Just you and me. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong is they get shot at by a plane as they go <laughs> into the atmosphere. Uh, when they are asked to identify themselves, instead they uh, charge their weapons and shoot back, which seems a little, little loose. Uh, but well, hey, sh- listen, there's not the prime directive or whatever to guide how we act morally. <laughs> but they end up crashing, but not blowing up the shuttlecraft. Very noting once again that it is not exploded. Dude, that's and- so <laughs> a fucking. <laughs> This thing's got some fucking city miles on it already, man. Jesus. The special effects corner cutting here. They go from turning around to shoot at another ship and then boom, instantly they're in some backwood shed tied up with bags over their head. Like, what? We do see a familiar face. Very familiar. I was hyped to see this, dude. This is uh, His name is Jeff Kober and uh, he is more familiar to us because... Uh, Jeff played one of the uh, the space Texans. Yeah, the inmates of the space Texans. So he I guess he was of the space Texan race. I think that's um, what we, we decided yeah. on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he was the primary like uh, story arc of that episode because he was the convict who learned who got morality <laughs> Thanks to the Borg pixie dust <laughs> and uh, wound up becoming a good guy. Uh, he was So that was Repentance, which was, I think we said a great episode. It was. It was very good because it, it, it had an ending that stuck with you because it wasn't a happy one. And unlike Dear Doctors, which has an ending that was a intergalactic. Yeah, it egg was, worthy crime. It was a it wasn't. An ending that wasn't a happy one, but very realistic and how it was not a happy one. But more importantly, this guy has some presence, man. Like he has a very specific way of being like threatening and intimate, which obviously he used when he was being a total psycho and then used to his advantage when he was reformed and being very emotional. Uh, and in this, he's he's some kind of ganger slash revolutionary and he's uh, gotten back to threatening. and He does a very good job. So this dude lays out the the truth about this planet. Um, they are in the middle of essentially a civil conflict where there is a Vulcan puppet government that is currently administrating. Uh, but the vast majority of the plant, or at least a significant portion of the planet's population rejects the Vulcan puppet government and is seeking to do their own thing. The Vulcans have a mining operation there, so they uh, have installed a compliant partner to operate the place. And in, they're obviously setting up a parallel here of this is what the Vulcans kind of wish they could have done to Earth, but didn't or couldn't. Right. Mm. Like this is the this is the Vulcans getting their way. Right. With, you know, they have a government and it's appointed by the people who live there, but it's being very heavily influenced. And it's very it is. These are the guys that the Vulcans said jump. They would they would ask precisely how many meters would you like me to jump? Right. Which is what they want humanity to do. But humanity is, you know, to America. Fuck yeah for them. And so they're not and they're unwilling to use force 
or unable to use force. So I thought that was neat. I thought that they set this kind of parallel up of like, this is what happens when the Vulcans get their way. And it's not necessarily a good thing. I didn't pick up on that initially, but now that you mention it, uh, that's absolutely what it is. And that is a great uh, contrast to the earth situation and plays. And well, again, uh, great writing in this one. In addition to Archer being body to body as much as possible with DePaul in a pajem flavored episode so too does archer enjoy having his face cozy with a butt stock so we go back to uh archers and his head wounds his old masochistic desires rear themselves this dude is going to have the brain scans of an nfl player at the end of this mission (laughs) space texan Dahmer. i don't know what else to call this guy space like He doesn't believe that Archer's the captain. Clearly, if there's a Vulcan involved, the Vulcan's in charge. Uh, So, hey, Earth, tell me about Earth. Tell me about these people. Tell me about your ship. I would say my favorite line from the episode is, we have a protein resequencer that can make chicken sandwiches. Boom! (laughs) I just immediately hit. Now, I don't know if this guy apparently has never tasted a Chick-fil-A sandwich. But I would not strike a man for informing me that I could have Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Popeyes. This, yeah. Whatever. yeah. Popeyes. I mean, if that's your jam. We want 50 phase pistols. And, and then Louisiana and, and, and cooking. And then large waffle fries. <laughs> they, uh, you know, it's Paul's like, no, I'm in charge. He, you know, we came here to do a banquet or something as the cover. And meanwhile, on Enterprise Trip, who's now in charge is like, what in the Sam Hill is going on here, president of this planet? <laughs> we sent down our captain and our first officer, and now they have apparently been captured by terrorists that you didn't tell us could potentially have. Ca- this is this is not very cash money of you. And she's like, "Yeah, sorry, probably should have done that, but I didn't." Well, no, she says that we didn't tell you because this we're not at war. This isn't a big deal. This is an isolated incident. She's trying to uh, secure and downplay this intergalactic incident. Uh, and I think does a really great job of, you know, living up to this Vulcan puppet government rhetoric that Space Texan was laying down. I think that Trip is real sloppy this episode. This is probably my least favorite portrayal of Trip that I've seen so far. This dude's acting hot and emotional every step of the way. Very unprofessional for someone who we saw under heavy duress on the um, whatever the groovy hand nipple ship was Mm -hmm. where he considers himself a diplomat who was able to reel it in like he's just all over the place. I mean, Trip is often portrayed as being kind of hot headed, you know, as a southerner. And I do think that that's appropriate. Like, I like that he's kind of an emotional guy. I think it only gets out of hand in such that he just goes so hard at the Vulcans when they show up to just like a degree that is no longer tactically relevant. It's just for theater. It's just to piss this guy off. Absolutely. That's where it's being like pissed at this like person. I don't know of like, what the fuck you didn't tell us this was possible. And now you're fucking feeding us this line. Like I, I agree with him not liking it. Right. Like this is bullshit. You know, sure. Like we got to fucking figure this out. 
And their point is, uh, if we knew this was an active war zone, maybe we wouldn't have come. Maybe we would have set down an escort. Maybe we wouldn't have sent the fucking captain and our first officer. Yeah. So she is the first officer officially. Correct. And he would have been the first officer had she not been there. That is correct. It's got a sting. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was there was a whole rubdown about it. <laughs> <sighs> Literally. Literally. So he goes, all right. I don't think these people are going to have our best interests in mind. Let's start trying to find them ourselves. Reed, how many hostage situations has Reed had to deal with at this point? I feel like we're at least at three, right? <laughs> we do have a jailbreak on our hands. And we had a jailbreak in the in, in the pilot. Terra Nova. We had a jailbreak in Terra Nova. We had a jailbreak situation technically, I guess, in the Yennefer of the Olive Garden. We had a jailbreak on the Space Trucker episode. Was there? Are we going to count the Klingon ship as a jailbreak? No, no, that was not an imprisonment. That was just happenstance. But yeah, Dude we needs had, to up his game. Yeah, Guys, he's only got fight. He's only got fifteen fucking guns. <laughs> Did you hear that line? They're like they only yeah. have fifteen guns. They want fifty. The we only have fifteen. They might still have some of the EM plasma. Yeah, I mean, I imagine too. they might be able to come up with their other guns and, you know, make do, but they only have 15 uh, phase pistols, which seems like a comically low amount. <laughs> well, before the terrorists have an opportunity to make their demands, we cut to what I'm assuming is supposed to be comedy relief. And that is uh, us finding out that these, the bad guys are, took no, they invested no experience points into jailing. They've got this utility shed with a dirt floor where Paul and Archer are being captured or held. Instead of just like chaining them to the wall, uh, they show that they play out of the Andorian book of stupid jail techniques. And they've got them tied back to back. So they're trying to like stand up and then they they're going to turn around and try to undo each other's bonds. So, Joe, let me tell you what, if you and I are ever tied back to back. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to turn around and essentially go dick to dick mm-hmm. to, to fix. It's never happened. We're just going to stay tied. We're, up we're just going to die. We're just going to die there. We're not. We're not. We're not doing that. It, it, let, let them put. You have you have kids, Peter. Come on. It's worth a little dick to dick. No, we're not. Mm-mm. Yeah, it we're, we're going to die with our think honor. And think of the children. Think of the children, Peter. <laughs> just, it's it's. And I thought and there I thought, you know, them trying to turn around Archer. They're basically sharing a belt. And I was like, man, this is gratuitous. Like his hands are basically on her boobs. It can't get much worse than this. Little did I know. Right up there with with the pilot with just the most unnecessary attempt to shoehorn a sex thing into Star Trek. And the show is so horny and so desperate to do this as often as possible. And the fact that they punctuate it with a comic, they trip over themselves and literally to Paul's tits wind up directly in Archer's face. Archer, who is head and shoulders taller than her. Yeah, like, how does this happen? How does this work? It doesn't. This is just, this is 11-year-old humor. Like, <laughs> boobs. That's 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 the level we're at with this. It's dumb. I hate it. I hate the whole conversation because it's happening around this stupid concept. But the cool thing is that uh, the Vulcans show up, and they're led by... Oh, hold on, the- hold on, hold on. 
the boobs go in his face. They undo their things a little bit. Bad guys just so happen to come in right as they separate. And then this ridiculous fight sequence takes part where Archer rolls backward and then somehow does a Street Fighter 2 guile flash kick upside down, busts this guard in the face, and then does a WWF snapmare from the sitting position. So I can only assume these bad guys weigh about six pounds a piece. If he's able, Archer, from sitting on his butt to grab this guy by his neck and just completely flip him out. Completely fucking absurd. The rest of the bad guys spill in. Don't just shoot the place up and then tie him up a little bit better, but separate this time. <laughs> tie him up like they're in some BDSM club. It's a little weird. There's, this is it's a very BDSM vibe heavy uh, shed. So this Falcon who shows up is my favorite part of the episode because he is the he is such an asshole. Uh, he's uh, Captain Sopek. And he shows up and he is just a sneering, contemptuous guy from from the beginning. Like he is here and these fucking stupid, hairless ape children are running around in space again. And he's got other better things to do. He is being so emotional in his contempts. But is that kind of contempt of like a very frustrated fifth grade teacher, you know? And I just, this vibe was so different. And I really, I really liked it. Like it felt Vulcan still, in my opinion, it wasn't not Vulcan. It was just one who's just, this is a Vul- what a Vulcan looks like when he's at the end of his fucking patience. You know, <laughs> this dude's a big deal. This is the highest ranked Vulcan in the sector. Uh, and that's going to play into some things later on. Uh, there's multiple wheels turning here. So initially Vulcan high command was dispatching a ship that was going to rendezvous with enterprise. And they were going to transfer to Paul out. That was supposed to be 48 hours. So uh, Archer's plan was within the 48 hours he had in this away team mission was to hatch the plan to keep her on board. These dudes show up. What? 12, eight hours. Yeah, right. Fast, real fast. So initially I thought like, mm, I don't think this is the ship that was initially dispatched to pick up DePaul. I think that this is like an overseer ship there to keep an eye on whatever this mining operation is. And uh, they're there to kick the fucking rebels ass for causing problems for their puppet government. And oh, well, there's the Starfleet vessel. Yeah, I guess we're going to get to Paul as well. You know who this guy is? No, I don't. This is uh, Gregory Itzen. You may recognize him as the white level, rich and uh, luxurious doctor from EMH versus the insurance company. Oh, that's right. So he was the guy who he learns that if you don't spend your entire budget, you're never going to get more. Yeah, he's, he, he, he learned the lesson that every government financial uh, manager learns at some point, which is I have to use all of this so that the machine still thinks I need it. <laughs> you know, I, but it's, it, yeah, because like he doesn't actually become a good guy at the end. He becomes a pragmatic guy. <laughs> you know, like he becomes an American guy at the end. Yeah. Everything you said about Trip, 100% true. Trip has no chill. He is way too emotional and he has zero poker face. 
And rather than even try to listen to like anything that this Vulcan's got to say, man, he just any little petulant childish thing he can do to snub his nose at him. Uh, it gets put on the table. And so enterprise begins hatching its own rescue plan. It's going to pursue alternative to whatever the Vulcans might be up to. There is a scene when, um, they have hatched the plan and sent the shuttlecraft because it's Reed and Trip who are going down to run their own op to rescue them after having scanned for their location. I like that Captain Sopek calls Enterprise after they've hatched their their plan and Hoshi's in charge. <laughs> like, this is how, how far down the, the uh, command structure we are that the lady who doesn't even want to be here is in charge. And it's like, yeah, they're not here right now. Can I take a message? Shouldn't that have been Mayweather? No. It is the, the actual structure is correct. It is It is Hoshi next and Mayweather last. You jump back a couple episodes and Reed left to go do something and left Mayweather in charge. And then mm-hmm. Hoshi talked him into sitting in the chair which kind of got him in trouble. It's supposed to be that Hoshi is actually ahead of Mayweather in the chain of command. Mayweather sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, God, it's me. They're, the I mean, racism there needs to be. They don't like Vulcans and they also don't like boomers. And like, man, this communications <laughs> lady doesn't even like fucking know how to salute. Right. But can't let a boomer sit in the chair. At least she can talk, I guess. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. She can talk to anybody. It's, because that's important. So yeah, hey, let me talk to uh, Trip. Well, he's gone too. And at that point, Sopek knows that something's afoot and they're going to have to scoot their plans along. So what's happened is Enterprise has located the hull signature of the shuttlecraft. And it is down in some slum area. And the sensor scans, you know, they reveal the normal like, oh, gosh, this is a city of have or have nots. There's almost as many people living in squalor as there is actually in the city. Clearly, the relationship with the Vulcans have not benefited everybody on this planet. Well, hey, let's go down there. Let's go check it out. Just me and you. No security goons or anything else. This can be real chill. Just us and our fucking Enterprise Gore-Tex uniforms. So they beam down and they're checking out the city slowly when suddenly they get their asses kicked. They are immediately accosted in this alley and tossed into their own dirt floor shed only to if for it to be revealed. The guys who whooped up on them are Commander Shran and the rapey guy. I have decided we are going to name him. Shran's like, surprise, it's me. You're lucky because you just walked into a trap. And you were going to get killed instead of just your ass is kicked. And then what you're calling Mr. Rapey, who I think we're going to name him Sergeant Sex Crime. Sergeant Sex Crime. Yes. Comes in like her behind him like, it was a trap. They were going to get you. And it's like, dude, just, <laughs> just real close talking. And like, I... <laughs> he's he wants to sniff him. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Commander- you seem like you're a cool dude. And I really appreciate you putting your neck out for us. But this fucking guy has got to go. <laughs> this is why the Vulcans don't want to be friends with you. All right. It's dudes like Sergeant Sex Crime back here. So, yeah, Commander Shran, here he is uh, making his second appearance. He lays some good backstory down, which is like, yeah. So, uh, you know, we keep uh, a contact with the uh, oppressed people of this planet who are not big fans of the Vulcans. 
Uh, and uh, they're also dirty as fuck. And they were definitely going to murder you and Reed and your captain and everybody. Uh, so that's all. That's a problem. <laughs> so let's talk that for a second. There's multiple factions at play in this anti-Vulcan government rebellion, right? Is he saying that the guy that that the space Texan that has Archer hostage specifically is like the worst cell that does dirty shit like this or that basically all of these groups are pretty shitty? I don't think he's specifying that this specific guy is bad. He is, I think, conveying these people are serious and they murder offworlders because they don't like the Vulcans. So this was a bad place to fuck around and find out. But lucky for you, Uncle Shran is here to help you deal with the situation properly. Uncle Shran's motivation is that I have not been able to sleep well since the, uh, and I quote, pink skin Mm -hmm. did me a favor. So I'm here to repay this, this Andorian life debt and move on with my life. I did not expect the Andorians to be inserted here at all. And I thought that was amazing writing. Um, I, I thought it might have been spoiled for you because Jeffrey Combs like name showed up, obviously, there at the beginning. You know, it did. I and, that, like, and I figured at some point maybe it was going to come up. But like their involvement as benefactors here who opened the relationship back up with some abduction. I thought that was fucking great. Yeah. And a good way to use them. And. And I don't know if it's a script. I don't know if it's Jeffrey Combs, but like the conflict that Shran seems to be feeling about this entire thing, that there's this underlying and I'm going to I'm going to give credit to Combs, right? I mean, he's a great actor. He, he wouldn't get the fucking amount of work he does in Star Trek if he wasn't. But I think he nuances it well, where it's like my gut feelings telling me that I want to be a part of these humans. Uh, I my my experience is telling me to keep everybody at arm's distance. And that there is this this dilemma going on in his soul as to what he wants to do. He is clearly perturbed by the fact that Archer did him a solid after he abused him because Archer perceived that it was the correct thing to do. Right? Like, he knows he gave that man 87 concussions. Mm-hmm. He was unkind. And yet, when push came to shove... Archer forced his first officer to scan this clear war crime and then give him the evidence and said, you were correct and therefore you deserve to leave with a thing that proves you correct. Get out of here. Specifically, not a war crime, but a treaty violation. Yeah. Right. Like that. this is specifically disallowed by whatever treaty exists between the Andorians and the Vulcans. And that'll come up to play later when he's rubbing uh, his dick in Sopek's face. But he goes, uh, you guys don't know what you're into here. Um, and I know we might have looked like little blue clowns when we were pushing the Vulcans <laughs> around and having the world's worst run and gun with you guys. But wouldn't you actually believe it uh, when we're not fighting people with plot armor? It turns out we're pretty badass. Yeah, it turns out that uh, we have some legit commando vibes and they decide to hatch an op to uh, do their best Metal Gear soliding. Uh, mm-hmm. to uh, rescue uh, Archer and Paul. They've got an inside man in the Space Texans compound who has provided them with schematics of where everything is. Uh, this guy has also planted a cell phone of some sort 
in what I can only describe to be coleslaw and gruel. <laughs> the least appetizing meal I've ever seen on it Star Trek. It was like oatmeal and coleslaw mixed together and like Archer's laying on the I floor eat, trying to like sip it. I would before I would eat that. You know. uh, I don't know. I, I might go for the coleslaw. I can I can get down on some of that. But he's like, What's, why is my food blinking red? Oh, it's a little communicator. Uh, side note, I feel very bad for these guys who have decided to work with the Andorians since uh, he just gets shot. In the fucking back. <laughs> he just like opens the door and then just the sh- it's not even like a clear he gets shot. It's like he just falls to the ground and there's a bullet hole <laughs> like in the in the shed. And you're like, I guess I guess he's dead. I guess mm-hmm. that guy's dead now. Sorry, buddy. No Sorry, bro. About you. <laughs> like, you're just done. So, yeah, I, I love the, the rebel politics and play on this. Interesting that there is yet again zero discussion of using the transporter to do anything productive. Right? Okay, well, we might scramble the captain's brains. All right, just fucking beam the bad guys into a field or into a rock. Or <laughs> If you're worried about who you're beaming, why don't you beam the people you don't like? <laughs> Absolutely. It's the same way they had to avoid that entire conversation the last time we were on Pajem dealing with Andorians like, all right, well, fine, just fucking instead of beaming down your hesitant security people, beam the Andorians out. No, they go about this in old fashioned uh, solid snaking, just like you said. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cardboard box and everything. And <laughs> the so classic, I'm clearly an alien, but I've got a fucking cloak on. I'm going to talk to you man, with my Florida man accent. Oh, look at me. I got some good old. Andorian booze. space booze. Got some liquor. You boys want some liquor? You want to come put your mouth on this thing with me? Hey, you want to go rest, ga- wrestle a gator with me? <laughs> <laughs> he could have taken a page out of Janeway's book and, you know, lied and said he was a prostitute. They're looking to God. warm a soldier's bed. Oh, they man. Could have been a whole commercial ad campaign, right? Oh, geez. So they they. They solid snake their way in, but that's when the that is when the Fire Nation attacks, aka the Vulcans, and they start shooting up the joint. Uh, Shran and uh, Sergeant Sex Crimes do in fact find uh, Archer and T'Pol right after the dude gets shot after he opens the door. Or Shran's like, my debts, you know, I'm only here because I feel weird about the fact you did me a favor. And now I'm not going to feel weird anymore because I've done you a favor. Because clearly that's how this is going to work. Here's her female Vulcan tricorder that. Yeah. What do we say that thing looks like? A a leg Uh, shaver? I was going to say it looks like a makeup compact. Yeah. (laughs) A really bulky makeup compact. I've decided this foundation doesn't look good on blue skin after all. Here, you can have your makeup he accessories. He literally back. brings the, the thing back to give back to Paul. so I don't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. I've saved you, so now I don't owe you anything, so clearly now we're okay. Narrator. They are not okay. Anyway, so, like, he will continue to return. This will continue to be a thing. So they eventually meet the, the, the Vulcan commandos, wipe everybody out, and then Shran and his dudes got all their guns out, and it's a big Mexican standoff. It's a fucking awesome gunfight, too. Like, I will. This is the first. Yeah, like this is the first good gunfight since the since the pilot. Yeah, uh, I love that when the Vulcan SWAT team comes in, which uh, led by Sobek. So kudos to this dude for being a captain who leads assaults from the front. They don't just come with the phasers. They got like a fucking rocket launch. 
Yeah, they, they, they blow they, up a guard tower. They they come in with the whole like combined arms squad. Like these these Vulcans know how to do some violence. All the bad guys get killed, or so they think, while they're in the middle of calling each other motherfuckers and and playing the blame game. Turns out Space Texan isn't really dead. He, you know, lifts up from his uh, little game of possum, goes to shoot Sopek in the back, but uh, T'Pol sees, runs, shoves Sopek out of the way and takes the shot that should have killed Sopek before everybody blows Space Texan into fucking next month. So that's where we get to this paper thin ending where they have to come up with a reason why one of the main characters stays on the show, but they have spent zero time building a reason for. Right. Like that's their problem as they get to the writing. They're like, how are we going to solve this thing we set up in the first 15 minutes? Right. Like, okay. So Paul's going to get pulled off. There's some drama. And then we have the actual plot. We've got all the Andorians and we got the Vulcans and all this other stuff. How do we solve this with a solution at the end where T'Pol stays? I think I I came up with a much better solution, but the one they came up with was bad. Let let me throw one out that just popped in my head. Space Texan wakes up. He goes to shoot Sopek. Shran jumps in the way and takes the bullet. And then we have an exchange of you keep treating me like I'm the enemy. Uh, We are not. Points at uh, what's her face. Uh, she's willing to see that we aren't, you need to grow, you know, that they're, they're doing things. They're thinking ways you never could. You have to grow that way. Laying her up in bed, they, they play it up. Like she's sicker than she, uh, is and that she can't move. And uh, even Sopek agreeing to allow her to go back to enterprise. Like if you've got an injured Vulcan, why would you have the Denublian work on her yeah, first? She, she, they, he even says that out will take her out of ship and they just like, in, like Archer just ignores them. And then they don't like try to stop them. They're like, oh, okay, I guess. I mean, not that we just haven't proven that we're willing to commit a tremendous amount of violence, including using rocket launchers to blow up these dudes. <laughs> but you know, you just said no. So I guess you can go like, what the fuck do humans have on Vulcans? that They're just so defanged. In their presence, when like, oh, we just that big dick energy, man. We just can't deal with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That warp five. Oh, God. So Archer says, uh, I, I, I don't even know what his his justification is that it is. Well, she took the bullet for you. And so you need to go back and say that she needs to stay here because she did you a solid. It is it is the lowest common denominator way to solve this, right? Like we came up with all of the much better textured, nuanced ways between you and I over the last hour. But what they come up with is, well, she, she saved your life. So now you have to go and do the thing and we're going to guilt you until you agree. And then the biggest crime to this is it's not her presenting her own case. And at no point during this entire episode, has she ever indicated that she is not okay with being taken off of Enterprise or that she wants to stay on Enterprise or that her being on Enterprise is, is in any way beneficial to her or the Vulcans. I so, mean, she, she mentions that she wants to continue it, like in the vaguest possible way. Um, when I think she was talking with with Flocks um, earlier that, you know, like she took her mission very seriously. But yeah, at no point did she actually like make an affirmative case. For my step. problem my biggest problem, and, and forgive me, 
you know, if, if I, this comes off a little pandering or whatever, but it's just a bunch of dudes standing around a table that she's laying on making decisions for her. She has zero agency. And I think it, it just continues to be this black mark on her character where it's like, why is she there? She like we see benefits to her being there, but like I need her to affirm to take action and take agency in her career on this ship instead of it just always being I'm doing someone a favor or some dude somewhere is leading me to this outcome. In the end, T'Pol does not have agency in a plot that's about her and it drags down the whole rest of the episode. And the spots where she should have agency instead they do boob humor. I mean, it just, otherwise it's a good entry. It's fucking great. But and, and from the plot, what's this plot are called Andorians versus Vulcans? I guess the real shame here is it really is a huge negative because the heart of the episode is supposed to be to Paul and her place on Enterprise and her desire to stay. And they just never develop that part of the story. And so you get just these cool bits hanging off this otherwise kind of uninspired, boring, amateurish, you know, nonsense. And but I love well, the Vulcan puppet government. I love the yeah. anti-government rebellion. I love uh, the fact that the Andorians are just fucking spying on the Vulcans too and happen to find out about all of this nonsense. Uh, lots of lots of cool world building. All right, what are we watching next week, Peter? We are going into Season 1, Episode 16, Shuttle Pod 1. Tucker and Reed set out on a mission in a shuttle pod as Enterprise is busy investigating an asteroid field. Disaster strikes while the pair are away, leaving the shuttle pod damaged and the warp drive inoperable. These shuttle pods have warp. They managed to make it back to the rendezvous coordinates only to discover Enterprise was apparently destroyed when it crashed in an asteroid with a ship seemingly no more. The pair are left abandoned in the middle of nowhere with only a few days of air remaining. Well, uh, so this is what? Uh, Death Cart 1? I mean, we gotta, we gotta do, we have to do that sort of, uh, uh, lost at, at sea in a dinghy, you know, episode, right? Like, that's what this one is. Well, you got Tucker and Reed, man. As long as it's not like Mayweather and Reed, I don't think it'll be a complete, I don't know. Do you remember this episode? I do. And I like some of the energy that specifically what you were talking about, like the two of them just being able to play against each other in a tight space spot like that's this this show shines when it allows its actors that are good to do good acting and uh i recall this one being an example of that so we'll watch it together and we will judge it appropriately thank you to all of you out there in major police land for your continued support of our show we appreciate all of your comments and if you could we would appreciate any positive reviews that you will leave for us on the podcast aggregator of your choice, whether it's Apple podcasts or whether if it's on, on Spotify or wherever you are, those sorts of things always fuel uh, eyeballs and the algorithms and that sort of thing. So please review us wherever it is you review or oh, get your podcast. And we appreciate it. Thanks. 